Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com Radio Show. Hadit.com Radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 16th day of uh, August, 2018. And uh, we're here with our co-host, Jay Basser. And uh, today our guest speaker is John Dorley. And uh, he's a certified BA claims agent. And we're going to be discussing uh, some uh, pros and cons of this ramp program that the BA has. Uh, it's uh, been moving right along, so let's hope they got some more bugs worked out of it. I know when it first started, I wasn't too pleased with it, but uh, maybe it uh, it's gotten a little better. How you doing today, uh, John? Good, good, Gerald. Good to be back. Uh, um, yeah, the uh, whole ramp thing has got the entire country, all of Twitter, as far as uh, the do's and don'ts and the whys and the nots and things of that sort. And so I made a point from the very beginning to get knowledgeable about the entire ramp program when it rolled out last year, November 2017. And, and I feel like I got a pretty good handle on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, certainly if there's any listeners out there that, that want to call in and, and uh, talk about their, their claim, especially if it involves ramp, I'd uh, be happy to try to help. But uh, um, I don't know, guys. What do you think? What have you heard about ramp? Is there I'm, positive, uh, negative? or? I was talking to the BA at the, uh, uh, I guess, up in Washington, where my claim's at. And uh, we were discussing the possibility. I brought up the, the ramp, if that would be a way to go. And uh, uh, they had put me in to expedite my claim uh, because of my health and didn't think, really think, that the ramp program would benefit me that much. Now, of course, every every you know every uh, case is different, and uh, but they was looking at the complexity of mine, and I think that's why they recommended that I I stay where I'm at uh, because they said uh, what the ramp program be supposedly is to be settled within 120 days. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The whole point, the major point of this ramp program is to get a decision sooner than you normally would if you were still 
in what the VA calls a legacy appeals process, which is the old appeals process that they still they still do. Uh, but that's the standard process where you get a decision, you file a notice of disagreement, you get a statement of case, and you file the substantive appeal uh, after the statement of case, and that goes to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, and you're waiting four to five years, especially if you need a hearing. It takes that long. Well, what the ramp did is, is they allowed for a, a much quicker decision. You opt out of the legacy appeals process, which I just described, and you and you go into this RAMP program. RAMP stands for Rapid Appeals Modernization Program. Uh, and in your case, Gerald, yeah, I, I would agree just based on the limited knowledge of what I know about your case and your health and and and, and your age. Um, I, I think if you're getting expedite based on your health, um, I would not muddy the waters with RAMP at this point in time. Um, uh, that's, uh, that's the way I looked at it. Uh, and they told me, you know, it's a flippable coin, and the people I were talking to there seemed very knowledgeable in it. And, and of course, I understand the functions of the ramp. So um, in, in some claim situations, I believe it's the way to go. Now, if you have a very complex claim and... and uh, a tough one. You've been fighting it for a long time, uh, but it, uh, but if you can pick up, uh, get it expedited for whatever reason, whether it's hardship or health or whatever, uh, some you you need to look at that. Uh, uh, he he thought. Uh, a guy was talking to he thought it would probably equal out to be about mm-hmm. the same. Uh, but, you know, won't, you don't know till it's all said and done. Well, and I think in your case, Gerald, you're better off staying where you're at because you're probably going to have some adjudicators who have some some background and some knowledge about your file because of that their particular VA regional office. If you go around, um, it can go to one of, I think there's nine VA regional offices now, possibly ten, that are specifically designated for only ramp appeals. So, Gerald, uh-huh. if you opted into ramp, your your file will be transferred to God knows what regional office, uh, God knows uh-huh. what decision review officer who's looking at the case for the very first time. Uh, they're likely not going to pick up the intricacies that that maybe the uh, the current uh, rater or the DRO is 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 privy to. So, um, if if you were my client, Daryl, I would I would I would tell you the same thing. Just hold tight, and if if they have given you a at least a verbal, if not a written statement that they're going to expedite it based on your health, I, I would stay right where you're at. Yes, that's uh, what I'm going to do, and. Uh... Yeah, like you said, I didn't want it going to new people because these people know it. Uh, the Raiders or whoever's been, I understand they kept mine in Washington, but uh, at any rate, uh, whoever's got it, uh, I'm sure has had it a couple of times before. What, what I found, guys, is the RAMP program, Rapid Appeals Modernization Program, um, Overall, it's 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 a good program to get into. I think anytime you have something that's overhauling the system the way it is, 
there's always going to be some bugs and some hurdles that even the VA would admit they could do better at. Um, I've talked to uh, some higher-up officials and uh, had some conference calls with them, and they would agree that there's some issues that need to be worked out. With, with the beauty of the RAMP program, though, I'm not a shill for the RAMP program. I know the VA is desperately trying to get as many veterans into it as, as they can. Um, I guess I'm one of the few advocates out there that got in on the main floor. Um, I, I dived into it pretty much right away, and a lot of my clients are involved in the RAMP. What's nice about it is that under the old legacy appeals process, if you file a notice of disagreement, uh, you're going to be waiting at least two, sometimes three years, depending upon the VA regional office, to even look at the decision. Uh, excuse me, to even look at the appeal to make a decision. Um, and, and a lot of these appeals are, 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 are as plain as a nose on your face. They, I mean, they could turn these appeals around right away. Um, some of these appeals are not complicated, and they can be turned around right away. But under the old legacy appeals process, you wait your turn, and you wait sometimes two to three years. I know some of these regional offices were four years out. At least with the RAMP program, uh, they are sticking to their goal of adjudicating these decisions within 125 days. Some are going longer, some are shorter, but it depends upon the complexity of, of the claim. Um, you, you also still have that option of going to the Board of Veterans' Appeals if you want, if, if you don't have success through RAMP. Now, with RAMP, you have a couple of avenues you can pursue. Uh, there's a supplemental avenue, meaning you presented new material evidence and or you'll present more new material evidence within 30 days of opting into RAM. Uh, you can go that route or you can go the higher review. And basically that means I have no new material evidence, but I think I have a case. And I think a new decision review officer needs to relook at it. Uh, there's some errors that were made by the uh, previous rater and, and you can go that route. Um, if you strike out there, uh, you can still present new material evidence within a year of that decision and still protect the original data claim under RAMP. If you don't feel like you have new material evidence after that first grant decision, uh, you can still opt to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. And my understanding with the Board of Veterans' Appeals is they're starting to hear uh, RAMP uh, BVA claims in October of this year rather than February of 2019, which was the original original thought. So I mean, just just uh, thinking about it, it, it is a very complicated program. I, I, and I said this before on the show, is, is you definitely want to have someone who, who, who knows what they're doing, whether it's myself or, or a national service officer or county service officer or, or, or state service officer, someone, whether it's even an attorney would be able to help. And you, you can usually gauge their knowledge by talking to them for about five to ten minutes, uh, whether they have any, any real working knowledge of the RAMP program. So if there's one piece of advice I'd give to any listeners out there, uh, don't try to handle your claims on your own, regardless of whether it's RAMP or not. But if it is RAMP, or if you're debating whether they go into RAMP, uh, make sure you, you consult with, a, with an expert. Yes. Uh, what about uh, fully developed uh, claim, uh, John? Does that uh, see that would be obviously the first choice if a veteran uh, has all the material to to put it together. Uh, however, I've seen 
too many times they just don't have the information that they need for a fully developed claim. But yep. uh, if they have the right help, they can put it together. I, I know of some veterans that did do okay and, with the fully developed claim. But mm-hmm. after that, I think I would consider the uh, RAP program as my next choice if I had to do a choice uh, uh, yep. uh, versus, you know, if I was just starting out, mm-hmm. uh, I think well, uh, the older your claim gets, uh, uh, the more, uh, um, don't necessarily mean complicated, it it just seems like it, uh, it's... Uh, it's all disoriented or something. It gets all scrambled up over time. Yeah, yeah. And I think, Gerald, when you're talking about a fully developed claim, other, otherwise known as an FDC claim, um, that's always best when, when you are starting out fresh, whether it's a brand-new claim, you've, you've, you've never filed a claim before, and, and you want to put a complete package together and submit it all at one time. The VA can accept that as a fully developed claim, uh, get your compensation exams done, and usually turn those things under, around about 30 to 60 days. So, so that's the beauty of that. Uh, one thing you want to be careful, though, when you file a fully developed claim, that you don't derail it. Because once you put it in that first package, you're pretty much stating to the VA, I have nothing more to submit. Now, you can always submit additional evidence after your decision, whether it's a reconsideration or an appeal. But that first uh-huh. go around, you're pretty, you're pretty much saying, I have nothing more to submit. I want it to be adjudicated as a fully developed claim. And they can turn those claims around pretty quick. But if you submit a testimonial after that first submittal or a, a dependency form or medical records, that derails it. And you'll probably get a letter from the VA to say, based on the recent uh, evidence we received from you, uh, medical records from, from doctor down the street, Dr. Johnson, uh, we can no longer uh, work your claim as a fully developed claim. You, you are now back on the uh, uh, regular or normal VA claims process. And, and that's not the end of the world either. I, I a lot of these claims, it depends upon the regional office it goes to, but a lot of these claims, even without the fully developed claim, uh, they're turning around within three to five months. Some of the more complicated ones are, are taking longer than that, but but they usually turn them around fairly quickly. And, of course, you don't lose your data claim. Um, but, again, with the FDC and the fully developed claim, it, it's a nice little mechanism uh, for, for someone, especially if they have a financial hardship, uh, to get things turned around really quick. Um, well, now, with, unlike a fully the develop, uh, with a fully developed claim, though, you need some real help. I mean... Someone that really knows what they're doing to help you put together. Uh, uh, usually, uh, I'd say the lay lay person, uh, lay veteran, uh, that's not, uh, you know, uh, not up to date on the 38 CFR and like mm-hmm. the five elements of a claim. Uh, then um, he, he needs some professional help, someone who really knows what they're doing 
Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend them to because, like you say, if uh, you know they'll turn around and kick it back to regular claim status. And and what's happening, Gerald? And uh, and there are some good claims agents out there. There's good attorneys. There's good appeals agents. National <clears throat> service officers. There's good ones out there. But what I'm hearing a lot from my clients is that they, they try to go that route. They try to go the route of having someone help them with their claim, an expert, a professional, because um, they realize that they're not qualified to do it. The problem they're having is, is and that's not always justified, I, I think, but, but the, the problem they're having is that they're not getting uh, the attention from these uh, experts, these so-called claims agents. Uh, they're, they're not getting calls returned. Uh, they're, they're, their face-to-face meetings are, are very... Uh, unprofessional in many cases, and and they're not, uh, they don't feel like they're being heard, um, and and they're being given advice that uh, just doesn't make sense as far as, as far as I'm concerned. I've I've counseled some of these veterans, and 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 they tell me verbatim what what some of these claims agents are telling them, and I just shake my head. I mean, there's just so many different twists and turns you can take with these claims. And, and when I hear these veterans tell me that this particular service officer told me that, I tell them, find someone else. The point being is that there are a lot of service officers out there. You don't have to select one and stick with that person. You don't have a good feeling. Um, if your calls aren't being returned, if there's disrespect involved with conversations, find someone else. Find a different service officer. You need to find that perfect fit to get the best service that you can. And whether that's me or whether it's an attorney or whether it's a national service officer, um, interview some of these service officers. Uh, if, if you're a veteran out there, do an interview. Interview two or three and find the best one because that's key. That's, that, that's key finding someone knowledgeable and someone that's going to be able to go to bat for you when the rubber really hits the road when it comes to hearings or or or, or providing written briefs for, for particular appeals. Uh, that, that's where these service officers really need to shine. And if they're not doing that, then, then you're doing yourself a disservice if, if, if you stick with them. That's exactly right. Uh, you got to get started off on the right foot for one thing, and having the proper advice, uh, the guidance, it, it, I mean, that can cut years. That can cut 10, 15 years <laughs> off your claim. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you get started off the wrong foot, and you can be you can be hung up in that uh, claim system for quite some time, and and you don't want that. That's no good for nobody except to be so, a. So- so what's interesting, guys, about, about this ramp, which is it, still evolving, to doing different things. And so the latest is that the, uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs has established, and I hit on this earlier, but has established at least nine VA regional offices dotted throughout the country. All they do is ramp claims. They don't do original claims. They don't do uh, non ramp appeals uh 
They don't do remands from the Board of Veterans' Appeals. All they do are ramp claims. And, and so what's interesting about it is that in the old days, depending upon the regional office you lived in, that VA regional office would handle all your claims. That's not the way it is anymore. They develop what's called an NWQ, a national work queue. So if you file an original claim and you live in Louisville, Kentucky, your claim's not going to go, it's not going to get adjudicated in Louisville. It's going to get adjudicated at a different VA regional office. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. Uh, the second layer to that is that uh, if, if, in fact, you have an appeal, your appeal would be adjudicated at your local VA regional office. To make it even more complicated, though, if you have an appeal at your local VA regional office and you opt into RAMP, then your appeal goes to one of the nine regional offices that I talked about, which could be anywhere. So it's interesting to me because there are some regional offices you wouldn't wor- you you wouldn't want your worst enemies claim in. And, 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 I mean, we've talked about that before. My my mind hasn't changed. I mean, there's there's two or three regional offices that I, 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 are just awful, and, and it's it's just it's unbelievable how they get away with what they do. Um, so so I think whenever you're deciding about ramp, uh, you also want to keep in mind that. Uh, you're subject to uh, the adjudication of, of another regional office. But I think in the overall scheme of things, guys, grant uh, is still beneficial just because of the timeliness. Like I said, under this legacy appeals process, you, you won't get a decision on your initial appeal for at least two to three years. With these RAMP claims, it's 125 days. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to adjudicate the claim properly, Um uh, I've got some concerns with some of these ramp decisions that are coming out. Um, these decision review officers aren't properly reconciling uh, medical opinions that I've submitted. I mean, these are highly probative nexus medical opinions. I've had some cases where they missed them altogether. I've had a lot of cases where they listed under evidence of record, but they don't properly reconcile it. And the law says that if you have a medical opinion, that's highly probative, a decision review officer cannot decide against that because he or she is not a doctor. That decision review officer has to send that medical opinion to an equally qualified doctor that properly recognizes that medical opinion. It just confounds me that some of my decisions are coming back denied and they're not properly reconciling these medical opinions. So then what we have to do is we have to file an additional ramp appeal at the higher level review and hope that they get the message. And if they don't, then we just have to send it to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. So the point being is that RAMP does have some bugs overall, uh, and, and, and they need to work them out. But like I said, in the grand scheme of things, I think RAMP is, is simply better just based on the fact you get a decision much quicker. Well, that's, a, that's really important, John, you know. Uh my lands, uh, cutting that time down, uh, time may eat, eat a person up. Uh, and if you can get it down within 125 days or less, uh, now that's 
that's worth uh, looking at very seriously because, like you say, that can, uh, them deals can go out two or three years. <laughs> and it used to be pretty near the norm. They'd go out that way. Sometimes four or five years without any problem at all. And 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 you might ask that I you know I talk about these ramp decisions and some of the denials, and you might ask, well, if, if that's the type of decisions that are coming out, why even go with ramp? Let me let me be clear. There, I, I, I'm explaining that some of these decisions are taking that route, where they're improperly denied. For the most part, if you have a good appeal, uh, and by good, I mean you have the evidence needed for these, these decision review officers to grant it. They will. I, I've gotten some really nice decisions from RAMP, um, but uh, uh, more often than not, even if I get a successful decision with RAMP, I'm appealing that as well because they may have missed an effective date or they missed uh, a certain level of percentage that they should have granted. So um, or they I had one case out of South Carolina. They granted uh, total disability individual unemployability, uh, but there was a, uh, a highly probative medical opinion that stated that the unemployability was present well before the date that the VA uh, granted, and this was in the VA claims file. And so although the guy was happy, he's getting 100% for the rest of his life, permanent total, and he's going to get about a $30,000 retroactive award. What he didn't understand, he's probably due another $30,000. Um, and so we, that's, a, that's an example of where we appealed a successful ramp uh, decision for a higher level review based on the fact the original adjudicator missed that, uh, that uh, medical opinion that established an earlier effective date for unemployability. So, um, but I think overall... I'm still putting my clients in the ramp. I'm not jumping in with both feet with every client, like your case, Gerald. I mean, some some cases you don't want a monkey with it, but but for the most part, uh, my clients are are happy getting a decision much sooner than later. And if you do get a denial, guys, in the ramp, at least you have a good strong foothold or base as to what you can appeal from further. For the most part, these decisions they go into detail of why it was denied. Not all the time, but for the most part, it gives you a good understanding of to say, okay, this is what I need to get my doctor to say, or this is what I need to do to further my appeal. So it gives you a good springboard oftentimes with these, with these ramp claims. Now, do them ramp appeals, uh, should you have to appeal, uh, do they go through quicker or they handled quicker? The ramp, the ramp appeals, yeah, they got that 125-day. Uh, oh, they still do. Okay. Yeah, it's not a hard deadline. I, I got one client that that's counting the days down. I try to explain to that client, I mean, don't don't raise hell on that 125th day if it doesn't happen. That's more or less a target goal for the VA, uh, depending upon the complexity of the claims. But yeah, Gerald, it's from the day that you opt into it. The VA's goal is to adjudicate a decision, favorable or unfavorable, within 125 days uh, from the date of uh, opting into it. Oh, that makes that makes it a whole lot better, right there. <clears throat> Especially well, with uh, like filing a, a new claim. 
And, and some of these appeals are very, very detailed, complicated, um, and, and I think a lot of these ramp decision review officers are missing the big picture on it. So that's where it can, can backfire a little bit. But like I said, at the very least, you get a decision sooner where you can continue to appeal or, or reconsider. Um, you might have appeals. You might, have, you might have 12 appeals that's pending. Uh, Ten of them are very solid, and two of them aren't quite as solid. And a ramp DRO may grant four of them and deny eight of them. And of those four he or she granted, they may have missed an effective date or they may have not have rated as high as they should. So, so what I'm finding is, is that multiple appeals, more complicated cases, um, these decision review officers are, are either they're not taking their time in reviewing the entire VA claims file or they're just in over their head. My worry about the ramp is, is that they're going to get too many denials and, and I've already talked to different attorneys and agents throughout the country, and we're on the same sheet of music. We're appealing a lot of these ramp decisions, whether they're favorable or not favorable. And, and unfortunately, I think what you're going to find until the VA really starts adjudicating these claims correctly, what you're going to find is, is uh, you're going to find the, the big backlog, the big ramp backlog that you're finding at the board, that you found at the Board of Veterans Appeals. Uh, I can see that I, happening. Really? Yeah, my concern is is that the the VA is going to start saying, "Well, we're going to stay, extend that 125 days. We're going to make it 200 days. We're going to make it 300 days, and then we're going to make it 600 days because um, they, 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 yeah. I mean, it's just frustrating with some of these ramp decisions. And and you know, as a claims agent doing this 27 years, I hey, you can't win them all. I mean, there, there are claims that you look at, they're just dogs. I mean, you just look at it and you're like, this one, you know, has a 1%, a 1% chance to win. I mean, it's just, it's a very, very difficult claim. So, so I, sometimes you get denied and there's just nothing you can do about it. I mean, that, that just happens. You know, it's hard to admit defeat with any claim, but I, I think any, any uh, appeals agent such as myself out there that's been doing this as long as, as long as we have it. I mean, you just, you're not going to win them all. And so sometimes the VA is correct and you, and you move on. Uh, you always try to explain to the veteran why they did what they did and, and what type of evidence we need to have at least a chance to win it. And more often than not, we can get that evidence. But, uh, uh, but in the VA's defense, sometimes the denials are, are accurate, but for the most part, there's, there's, there's a lot of mistakes on the VA's end. And I know that's not a big revelation to, to a lot of veterans out there listening, but uh, um, sometimes the mistakes you see, uh, the obvious ones are there, but, but the devil's always in the details, I say. And, and you can usually find a lot more mistakes than, than even a decision review officer uh, may have found originally, but, but, but hasn't found later. So there's always something that can, that can be done with some of these denials, I think. Yeah. Oh, where am I? We had a tornado warning, huh? Yeah. Going east of me, thankfully. 
Yeah. Well, you're in that tornado alley in old jail. Yes. <laughs> I haven't got over the last one. South and east of me, so um. All right, we're good. We're good here. You're not. You're not going to have to head into the basement then, or hide under a table. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I need a safe room real bad. I can never get my claim settled. <laughs> but. but uh, yeah, I'm with you on that ramp program. I can see so many benefits. However, I am afraid uh, here in the future uh, they could very possibly allow themselves to become overloaded if if they keep, uh, you know, uh, denying them or sending them back to where you got to feel them. Uh, that's soon going to stack up very uh, quickly, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, and and that's exactly what's going to happen. That's what happened at the Board of Veterans Appeals, and that's why they invented this RAMP program to take the burden off the Board of Veterans Appeals. Um, everyone was appealing uh, all the way to the Board of Veterans Appeals, and and the majority of those appeals were were uh, were justified. Um, some weren't, but the majority of them were, and that created this huge bottleneck at the Board of Actions Appeals where you were waiting, uh, God darn, from the time you file an original claim to the to the time it gets to the Board of Actions Appeals, you get a video conference, you get a decision, uh, you're looking at six, seven years down the road. And that's not even accounting for a potential remand from the Board of Actions Appeals. Uh, so, I mean, it, it can take a long time. So I think with the RAMP program, it's an effort to try to alleviate that problem. But where they got to be careful uh, is, is these decisions that are being issued from, from the RAMP program. Um, if they're not justified decisions, and again, uh, you know, denials can sometimes be justified. Uh, but but don't, don't send me a denial and not reconcile medical opinions. Don't send me a denial and misinterpret compensation exams. Don't send me a denial and not reconcile medical records. That's clearly under the evidence of record and listed in the Veterans Benefits Management System, the VBMS, the VA claims file. Um, Deny it justifiably, but don't make stupid errors because I'm just going to turn it right back around and appeal on a higher level review on the ramp, and so are my colleagues. And all it's going to do is create a huge bottleneck. So just take your time. I tell the VA DROs, if I could talk to them, I'd just say, take your time. If it takes an extra 30, 40 days to get a, an accurate, quick decision, take that time. Take 30 to 40 days. But don't pump these things out 
uh, you're missing a lot. So that, that's the only advice I would, I would, you know, under Secretary Lawrence, um, for what it's worth, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, he just friended me on LinkedIn, if they call it friending, but on LinkedIn he, he asked me to be a contact, and I assume he probably asked me and about a thousand other advocates to be a contact. So, but I found that kind of interesting to undersecretary and asked me to be a, a contact for him on, on LinkedIn. And, and I sent him a couple messages, um, just offering my services to say, Hey, I'm out here 27 years accredited appeals agent. Uh, I'll be as unbiased as possible, but if you want a real, uh, specific review on the VA as I see it, especially the RAMP program, feel free to pick my brain. Well, he hasn't yet, but He's, he has uh, had a lot. Was he an undersecretary, John? Yeah, I think he, he's the undersecretary. Uh, uh, he branded uh, me on, on Lincoln, man. I thought, good. why does this guy want to... Uh, I mean, I branded him, but uh, I thought, boy, this is interesting. Well, uh, he's 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 making a, a an effort uh, to get out there and, and and link up with people. Um, well, it sounds like he'd been. I've read his uh, pedigree there. He'd been working for the VA quite some time. Well, his his page is is pasted with uh, different events that he's been attending with different uh, veterans organizations. So you know he's definitely out there shaking hands and slapping people on the back. Um, but it, you know, it, it would be interesting to see if he would uh, take take some people up on the offer, such as I offer to. Uh, you know, people who are who are in the trenches every day. You know, I work ten, twelve hours a day, um, working these claims, and uh, I, I think I can get a pretty to, good idea. Of, I yeah. hate to interrupt, but we have a caller, girl. Oh, okay. Eight one six number. Oh, eight one six. Do you have a question or comment? Yes, I do. Uh, I've been having trouble getting through. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's I, okay. I've seen you, and okay, by golly, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, see what we how we we'll get you an answer of some kind. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I was listening to you on the phone and in the you know on the on my tablet here, but I didn't want to once you getting feedback and that kind of stuff, so I wanted to you know. Get, get disconnected from that so we can hear each other good. Um, I got several questions actually in for John. I guess uh, uh, this is who this would be directed at. Um, John, I uh, I've heard you say several times that you with the ramp program you keep the original claim date. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. when you say original claim date, say like in my case here, I got medevaced out of Vietnam with a skin disease. They didn't know what caused it. Uh, they wound up calling it uh, urticaria, hives, you know, uh, that's what they called it, basically. And um, But I was in the hospital a month for it, and uh, when I got released, 
they sent me home awaiting orders. I stayed there for about a month, about 30 days, I think it was. And then I got shipped to Alabama, and then they held a surprise medical board. And uh, I didn't have any assistance, and I didn't know what they were doing and what they wanted or anything like that. But I got the gist of it by their attitude. You know, it's kind of like we think you really ought to stay on duty uh, or else. So, okay, okay, yeah, I'll stay. So I did, but I continued to deteriorate on and on, developed all kinds of things. It just got worse and worse. Okay, that's just a little bit of basic background there. Now, this was in June of 1971 that I came back from Vietnam. Okay, uh, the following year in January, I have a letter, or no, I think it's in February, but I had requested my medical records because I knew I had some serious issues and I needed to file for some sort of disability or some sort of claim. I just, I knew that I was screwed up, but I didn't know how bad, what it was, that sort of thing, because I had so many issues. So uh, I, they told me that my records were in transit, and that's eight months after I came back. I never did get my records. I got discharged. Twelve years go by. Now it's 1983. I go in and file a claim. Uh, what I claimed was... Uh, eczema, atopic dermatitis, uh, and residuals of Agent Orange, because when I started finding out about that, I, I knew this had to be what it was that got me. This had to be what it was that caused all these different crazy conditions. But they didn't, uh, and I requested our, my records again, too, through the VFW. They were my VSO. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get my records. Uh, the VA never even responded. Uh, so a lot more years go by. Uh, oh, they sent me. A, uh, they denied my claim. Basically, is what they did. Uh, right. Well, that's not. That's not basically what they did. That's exactly what they did. They just denied it. Uh, they said that we concede your exposure to Agent Orange, but we can't pick and choose who was uh, actually exposed. So. Uh, and I didn't have any records. They never did send me my records. I kept waiting, waiting, waiting. Never did get any records. So I never, I never could appeal. So just recent, now I, you know, I didn't know anything about. I didn't even know you could even sue the government. I didn't know that was even a, an option or even possible. Who sues the U.S. government? Um, but here recently, I have gotten a uh, an appeal. Uh, before the Board of Veterans Affairs, they did acknowledge the atopic dermatitis, but they haven't given an award on it. And, of course, I know what they've done in the past, and it's probably going to be a 0% rating or a 10%. You know, Mm -hmm. I just don't think think they're going to go back um, all those years to when I, in 1983 or in 1971, when I, in my opinion... I should have been medically retired in 1971. I was at least, I mean, I was at least, you know, 70, 80% when I got discharged. But, uh, you know, being 30%, from what I understand, that qualifies you for medical retirement. Right. Right. Well, and Uh, I think you, 
as far as your question on effective date, you know, may, what I need to be is more specific when we're talking about ramp. And, yeah. and I'm not saying you have a ramp issue, but effective date more specifically is the effective date that you've kept open on appeal, I guess is the best way for me to say it. So uh, unless there's some unique circumstances, uh, your effective date is going to be the date, the earliest possible date based on your appeal. So if, if you filed an appeal uh, five years ago, uh, you got a denial, you filed an appeal five years ago, uh, and you've kept it open and you finally got a favorable decision and it's under ramp, then they are obligated to go back to that date. Now, if you had filed the original claim that you just won in 1971, for example, uh, and you did not file a formal appeal and, and you had not kept it open on that appeal track, no, the ramp would not go to the original date of claim. It would just go to the earliest possible date of claim based on the appeal is really what we're talking about. Um, yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. They know how to screw you around because they're masters of this. They do this every day to hundreds and hundreds of veterans, and they know exactly how they can screw you. They just don't have to answer your request for records. They don't have to release your records, which they haven't done mine. They still won't release my records. They even told when me they're not going records, to release are you them. Talking about, are you talking about your service medical records? Yes. Okay. Have they That's since exactly been what I'm found? talking about. Have they since been found, or are they just not giving you a copy? No, they just say that they're not going to send them to me because they fall under the deliberative process privilege. Well, let me let me let me shed some light on that. Now, I think I've got a solution for you. Now, this late in the game, I'm not sure if you want to do it, um, but uh, there is a program called VBMS, uh, Veterans Benefits Management System. And it basically is an online tool. I have it myself as an accredited appeals agent. I can actually go into my client's claims file, and I can review service medical records. I can print them off of my personal computer, my scanner printer, and I can send that to the veteran. So what I would encourage you to do, is is the VSW still your uh, VSO, sir? Well, you know what? I went with DAV in 2014, and I, I caught them basically just lying to me, just flat-out lying to me, and telling me I didn't even request my records, although I had the letter where they requested them for me. So, so much for DAV. Uh, but, yes, I went back to VFW like a, a dummy, if I can say that. Uh, I wish I wouldn't have now, but... The National uh, Service Officers, as I understand it, and this is just as I understand it, they have access to the VBMS, the Veterans Benefits Management System, which is actually your VA claims file. It has your VA claims file in the VBMS, the Veterans Benefits Management System. Um, I do believe, and, and I stand corrected if I'm wrong, but I do believe those National Service Officers like the VFW, DAV, American Legion, and Vets Purple Heart could print those service medical records from VBMS. Now, if I'm wrong on that, I stand corrected. I do know that there are a lot of attorneys out there, and I'm not trying to push you towards an attorney because cause then you're having to part with you know, 20 to 35% of your retroactive award. I'm not trying to do that. Um, but, but what I'm saying is with 
accredited appeals agents such as myself, uh, attorneys, a lot of us have accreditation and have access to Veterans Benefits Management System. It's a process we had to go through to get that. I can go on my personal computer right now, which is 20 feet from me. I can log into VBMS. I can pull up a client's file. I can find the service medical records, and I can print them off right there. So the point I'm making, sir, is that if you're intent on getting those service medical records, which it sounds like you are, um, and just having them I think is important. Uh, you can find an accredited agent or an attorney. And the first question you ask them is, do you have access to Veterans Benefits Management System, VBMS? If they look at you like a deer in the headlights or they don't know what you're talking about, then go on to the next person because I think in general you want to have an advocate that does have that website. So kind of a long answer to a short question. I know your concern was was twofold, but getting your service medical records can be obtained through uh, a power of attorney or a VSO that, that can access uh, the BBMS website. Well, John, let me interrupt you here just a second because maybe I didn't, I, maybe I haven't really made this clear, uh, but I have gone through several VSOs and I went to my senator uh, of our state of Missouri and, you know, I've done several things like that. Uh, Claire McCaskill couldn't do anything. Uh, uh, nobody seems to be able to do anything, and the letter the VA sent me, now this is after about 30 Freedom of Information Act requests, you know. This wasn't just a, a letter they sent me. This was after about, you know, 40-some years of trying to get the records and 30, 40 uh, Freedom of Information Act requests. This says, we are withholding all information which, if disclosed, under the deliberative process privilege under FOIA Exemption 5, 5 U.S.C. 552, parentheses B, parentheses 5. Now, I've read up on that, and that tells me that the only way I can get those records is if I have an accredited U.S. attorney and I sue the United States government in a malpractice lawsuit. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. I, I don't know why your records are any more special than anyone else. Did you have a uh, a secret clearance or anything like that in the military? Or Well, yeah, I think I did have like a top secret clearance, but, you know, that wouldn't, I don't see how that would affect anything, except if I wasn't maybe part of an experiment, which I really think I was. I think that I use, they used these, uh, they used a, they give me an injection there, and I remember it was, you know, it wasn't long I was ill. But I don't no, know No, I hear why. what you're saying, though. I mean, um, no, I mean I'm, I'm saying I know I'm not really special. I mean, maybe they say uh, I had a clearance or something that makes my case different, but that's I don't think that's the case, but it may be. I, I don't know. I can't find out because... And the thing is, you know, I couldn't uh, file a claim within a year, which they recently, that's one of the reasons they denied my issues, was because I didn't file a claim within a year of discharge. But they skipped the fact that they wouldn't give me my records when I requested them. They lied to me and said they were lost. They never were lost. I could In Japan, they told me, go ahead. At, at, at the end of the day, though, Right now, it sounds like, and, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat what you've went through, and, and what you've gone through is not appropriate, that's for sure. 
but but at, at this point in time, it sounds like the Board of Veterans' Appeals has recently acknowledged at least one of your skin conditions, and uh, sounds like they've granted service connection. Now it's just a matter of uh, the Board of Veterans' Appeals sending it back to the VA regional office to determine the level of service connection. Does that sound about right? Well, yeah, that sounds about right, but we know where that goes. I'm at 90%. So going to 100%, and I've been disabled for eight years for strokes and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, so I know that going from 90% to 100% and them giving me a 10% rating for, for yeah. uh, this, you know, that, that's not going to do anything. And they know that. Yeah, not, not unless it's, you're it's sitting a game at 94%. They've got set up. They're not, yeah, not unless, you're sitting at, not unless you're sitting at 94% combined. Uh, you know, the... Unless there's a situation where you're you're on any type of uh, medication like a corticosteroid, uh, whether it's uh, uh, taken by a needle or oral corticosteroid, sometimes you can get rated as high as thirty, forty percent for that. Uh, yeah, but if it's, yeah, right. If it's a standard skin disease and you have a topical solution, you might get a ten out of that, maybe a zero, depending upon how rapid. Uh, right. The spreading is of of the disease. Um, how old are you, sir? Are you are you employed or? No, I I had a stroke. Uh, I I just I didn't know what was going on. I just knew I couldn't do my job anymore. So I retired because I had enough time in, but I just couldn't physically do it. I physically couldn't see good enough. Everything was going bad. I had a are you, stroke. Are you break. rated for the stroke? Is the, is that part of your rating? The stroke or is that service connected? No. Well, they said it's not service-connected. Right. But see, I, I know well, it is because I, I know I had a stroke in service, and they're hiding that. i I got I to be honest with you, and I know that you've had the stroke, and that may be playing into the fact that you're not working, but regardless of whether you – I think – I bet John Stacy knows where I'm going with on this one. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I think that a veteran who's 90% service-connected is not working. I'm filing a claim for total disability individual unemployability, regardless of the reason why you retired and regardless of the reason that you have a non-service committed stroke. Uh, Your 90% rating, if you just isolate those service-connected disabilities, the question is, is it at least as likely as not that you are incapable of substantial and gainful employment strictly due to those service-connected disabilities? Uh, if you've never filed for unemployability, you should. I'm not sure I if you're familiar with that, but if they've denied yeah. it, uh, then you appeal it. If you're outside the appeal deadline, reopen it, because I I bet you a dollar they probably didn't adjudicate it fairly for you. Well, I did do that. I did appeal it, and they denied it again, and the VFW signed off on it. I'm, so I'm 67. dead in the water? Well, regardless of your age, they can't discriminate on your age, but your appeal, I'm not sure if, Gerald, do we, do we, I don't know if we're taking too much time here, but uh, yeah, your appeal, if your appeal is still open to the Board of Veterans Appeals for, for unemployability, you want to make sure that's covered. If not, um, you know, my, I'll give you my phone number yeah. at the end of the show if you'd like. I'll talk to you personally about it, but that's something that, might want to relook at because, like you said, uh, getting a 10% for your skin disorder probably isn't going to get you up to 100%. Your best bet might be 
unemployability. But I think, you know, if you, if you have a real crackerjack attorney or appeals agent, such as what I do, uh, I, I would stand to reason there good analysis. You might be able to find some other disabilities that you can get rated that could get you that schedule of hundred percent. Well, yeah. And you know, the thing is I want the VA to admit why they have lied to me all these years. My records were never lost. I finally, after 45 years, got some of the records from me being in the hospital in Vietnam and Chicago, Great Lakes Naval Hospital. Uh, I can, Mm -hmm. you know, I had the 30 days of of, uh, being in the hospital and re-hospitalized after that. But I know I'm taking up too much time and you got other people waiting. So I'll I'll cut this short and and I'll be trying to listen for your number at the end of the show. Okay. Thank you, sir. Okay, uh, thanks, John. Uh, give me your name, Thank would you? Uh, uh, Victor what? Sellers. Victor? Yes. Victor Sellers. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I've spoken to you before, haven't I? Uh, yes, you have. You, you sure I have. I believe you well, called me. Yes, and, I did. Uh, I called about, uh, yeah, this was a month, little over a month ago, I'd say, a month and a half or something like that, but yes, we have spoken, and uh, this just seems to be going around and around, and I guess I'm going to have to get an attorney and sue, just like they say I have to. I didn't want to do that, but I'm at the point now that I just don't care, because they are they are lying to me, and I want to get to the bottom of it. I believe if you get yep. with John there, he can, he can help you out uh, tremendously, and and steer you down the right road. I don't know if uh, trying to sue them in court's the way to go. Uh, there's other Victor, ways me, of handling let, this. Let me let me interject. When go, you deal with these go people, ahead. When you deal with these people, you need to be very tactful with them. Be very, you know, be very nice and very respectful. Um, I know situations where they've lied to folks and. They've even got mad and called the inspector general and everything. And these people were so good they could turn the whole kit caboodle around on a veteran in a hurry. And I know a couple of veterans. I know one really. They really they put him in prison. So mm-hmm. be very careful on how you what you say to these people. Okay, you need to get an attorney and do something differently. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess it is what it is. I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we just do what we can do, and and I understand what you're saying. Oh, and <laughs> that's why I need a representative because they have cooth and I don't. I, I just say what's on yeah. my mind, and you know, I try to well, I put it out there just the way I see it. And uh, I see that they well, withheld my records when I tried to get them in the service. They withheld them in 1983 when I filed. They're still withholding them, and they're telling me they're withholding them. And well, How can and, I, and Victor, I, I think that, to be honest with you, that I don't know that I could, and I don't know that most attorneys would, would be able to go down that rabbit hole with you. Um, not to say you don't have a case. I don't know that I would be able to, to help you sue the U.S. government. Not that I'm afraid to. I just, it's really not my expertise. But, but what I could give you is a good comprehensive review of your current file. Uh, and potentially get you up to that 100% level, because uh, really we're talking the difference in 90% and 100%. That almost doubles your pay. 
Um, and, and it's not all about money, but, you know, it, it, it's about justification too. So that's really where I would be more inclined to try to help you. So um, if you if you do want to, you know, call me, we can we can discuss more about your, your claims and, and go from there. Yeah, okay, John. We'll, yep. we'll see what Thanks, develops Victor. there. Okay, well, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, getting these claims folders, uh, you know, can be uh, quite challenging at times, and getting the correct claim folder is really a challenge. Yeah, uh, you've had that. It you've had that issue, Gerald. I yes. Only the one case in my career, I had a I had a good old boy from uh, I can't remember where he was from, but. But, but uh, you know, he had a, what's called a top-secret crypto clearance when he was in Vietnam. And I thought to myself, well, that sounds like James Bond. I, that sounds like a weird saying, but that is a legitimate saying. There are top-secret crypto clearances out there. And, and this yeah. individual's I, records I were, uh, yeah, I mean, these, these guys, this individual's records were absolutely frozen. You are not going to get it's into working. those records. And they, they did open them, though. I mean, they opened up his records and a bunch of others in, in the mid-'90s, and so uh, we had a chance to look at that. He he did some pretty interesting stuff that I almost can understand why the government wasn't too interested in sharing that. So, I think Gerald had one, too, if you work in, if you work in communications, you know. And, uh, you know yeah, I was uh, uh, yeah. crypto. Uh, I had crypto clearance, secret mm. crypto. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I had the top secret working. I work for the, I work for Comsec. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> they locked the door behind. But you these these uh, <laughs> these records were these records were locked even you know since the late '60s up into the mid '90s. They, so mm-hmm. that that was interesting that they they recently were declassified. So. But anyway, I don't know that his this guy's claim. You know, I don't know what his. his it sounds like he has some legitimate concerns, and I, I, I didn't walk in his shoes, and, and I know he's frustrated. And um, I think what I'd be more interested in, in dealing with is, is is what I do, what I know, and what I practice at. And that's VA law, CFR, uh, M21 manual, that kind of thing. So that that's yeah. where I think it, I could help him the most. It could be a benefit, though. You'd want to do your executive review and the, the complete claims holder before you jump on this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that would be something that I typically do. If if I find that I want to take over as a formal power of attorney, I'd have them sign a form and and I'd send them mm-hmm. into VA and I take a look at the VA claims file and and uh, you know typically I can I can talk to a client and and get a pretty good idea as to whether I want to take the case or not. For the most part, I, I I'll take cases. I mean, not every case is going to be uh, easy, uh, but uh, and and. and you know, Mr. Sellers sounded like a, a very nice man, and I'd like to work with him. But uh, um, I think right off the bat, what I'd make it clear is that I'd be primarily interested in just working his disability claims. If he wanted me to help him with uh, suing the government, that, that probably wouldn't be an area I'd want to get into. Yeah, but if he does get him released, though, if he's got some claim conditions, if he's got three foot one five six on his side, too, though, he'll go back and get his effective date, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, there's always the possibility. And, and like I said, there are special circumstances where it could go back to the original data claim back in 1971 if there was uh, if there were service medical records that weren't available at the time and only became come to light recently. The law says they have to go back to that very first original data claim if, if newly introduced service medical records are found that were previously property of the government. That's that's an example. Or if we can file find a cue of clear and unmistakable error somehow, that's always a possibility. But like I said, for the most yeah, part, watch. especially when it comes to effective data claims, especially under ramp, we're talking about the, the data claim that's been kept kept open on an appeal for the early, earliest date. They'll still try to do that. you got to watch them. I've been down that? that road. I've been down that road. They'll still try to deny it, even though. Yeah, they uh, couldn't find my record for seven years. And uh, yeah, even they found them. I got a denial letter just after they found them saying that the records didn't have any uh, probated value, even though I was rated off my record two years later. So yeah. that might be a cue coin. I might think about that. Could be. Could be, yeah. Um, well, cue hmm. claims are hard to win. They're not impossible, so I... Um, I do file mm-hmm. Q claims, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I'd be about twenty hey, grand for you. You're doing that, <laughs> <laughs> John. I was going to mention um, uh, uh, a person we know, a widow that we know real well. Uh-huh. Um, you know, as these ramp claims develop. You know, you, you'll learn more and more about the rules of laws. Apparently, she's not eligible for the ramp. Uh, what they came back was a letter that said, and I'm not naming any names, so I'm not sharing any personal information, but we got a letter back that says, uh, in cases where you're a substitute uh, for for the deceased veteran, that does not apply to ramp claims. Now, how are we supposed to know that? There was never anything put out that we would know that, but but... I still plan on winning the claim, don't get me wrong, but just on a side note, it apparently is not a ramp claim because it doesn't apply to substitute applicants, which is a person we both know is. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, and I'm, gonna, I'm researching it to make sure, uh, but we're going yeah. to fight it and keep going, but that's, that's essentially what they're saying. And they typically don't send out things like that unless they can base it on some sort of law, rule, or regulation because ramp is so new. I'm going to hold their feet to the fire and make sure they cite the specific law on that. If they can give you a specific law that states that or, or something in writing that showing the statute of that, then I guess that would be acceptable. But it sounded to me like they've hired some more creative thinkers and this guy pulled that rabbit out of his backside and put it on there and sent you a letter. I had another ramp appeal. Um, he had a, a number of appeals. One was already at the Board of Veterans' Appeals docketed. Then he had some additional appeals that hadn't gone to the Board of Veterans' Appeals yet, and we ramped those. So essentially we're saying we want to ramp the non-docketed BVA appeals, but we know we can't ramp the docketed BVA appeal. And so and I should backtrack. And that's one of the laws with ramp if you're – if your BVA claim has already been docketed, you're not eligible for ramp. But the question is, is that if you have other appeals that have not been docketed yet, would they not be eligible for ramp? Well, the conference call I had, I got a letter back on one of my claims and said, no, they're not eligible because you've already got one claim docketed 
on BVA. So that poisons everything. I said, well, okay. And then um, I confirmed that on the conference call. But lo and behold, I had a case just like it. They qualified this guy for ramp. We were successful with the ramp. And I know he's got two other claims that have been docketed at the Board of Veterans Appeals. So there just there doesn't seem to be any consistency with this 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 ramp program. And and again, it's a new program. It's 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 a huge program. So I can see mistakes like this being made, but it's just contradictory. It's 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 not consistent. Um, and and I don't know that it's ever going to be consistent. Even the even the old archaic laws of the legacy BVA appeals process, they don't apply those rules and regulations consistently. So um, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But, but that's kind of an interesting little tidbit on ramp as well. Well, I don't see how they could uh, justify uh, not uh, letting that widow uh, use the ramp. Program. Well, you, as a widow, you in general you can, Gerald. You, you can as a widow, um, if, if if you're basically if it's a dependency and indemnity compensation denial, which is basically a service-connected cause of death. Uh, those those are ramp eligible, but but in this particular case, uh, uh, the veteran died, and, and and the law says that the spouse can substitute or that deceased veteran, and essentially pick up from where the veteran left off and continue the appeal. She's what's called a substitute. Now, this yeah, particular okay. individual is already getting DIC, dependency and indemnity compensation, service connection cause of death. But what we're saying is that this, this veteran should have been due a lot more from the VA and, and had appeals pending at the time when he died. So then the, the widow can be a substitute. Uh, okay. Now, in, and, and in this case, the, the VA is saying that she is she's eligible to continue the appeal under the old legacy appeals process, but but Ramp did not afford substitutes to be able to take advantage of of that program. If, if, I, that, could, if I explain that right, yeah. Does that makes sense, John. I'd I'd say it under those conditions. Ain't no yeah, that makes complete sense. Don't seem right, but uh, uh, I think the point she's of the already ramp is they getting wanna... DIC. I could, you know, I could see, you know, uh, uh, even if she wins, what would she win? Uh, she would win a retro back on the claim he had in. Yeah, basically, she would be entitled to what the veteran would have been entitled to had he lived, uh, the retroactive award. Okay. If that makes sense. Would her DIC payment go up? No. No, the DIC would say the same. So she just can get the retro. No, Uh, it's a free benefits, and that's it. Yeah, it's a special okay. monthly compensation thing. It's it's basically we felt like he was entitled to uh, a, a larger award uh, while he was alive, and then while the while the claims were still pending on appeal, uh, he died, um, and and therefore the widow is, is substituting for that uh, pending appeal that that uh, that was ongoing when he passed away. Yeah, that explains it. I. 
I understand what's going on now. Uh, yeah, that's worth going after. Maybe under the RAND program, they were designed to specifically uh, point at uh, assisting widows in this not in this case, but widows who have a pending DIC claim or veterans who have pending disability compensation appeals. They probably didn't even think about, I wouldn't be surprised at all, guys, if they didn't even think about what about uh, widow or widowers who, uh, who are substitutes. Um, I would think that, that if they thought about that long enough, they would probably somewhere down the road include substitutes. But according to the letter I got, uh, they're saying that she's not eligible. But again, I just throw that out there. Uh, we're still going to, you know, do our best to try to win it. And and uh, if if this regional office doesn't grant it, then we'll go off to the Board of Veterans Appeals and have it expedited based on her age. Yeah. Won't be the first time. Nope. <laughs> I guarantee it won't be the last either, John. So anything else, anything else you want to chat about? Well, I appreciate you teaching us about the ranch program. I mean, we've heard bits and pieces about it. We know some folks have tried to use it, but it's still new enough for us, not, you know, and there's not enough uh, uh, time has went by in order to see how effective it's going to be, but there's a lot of confusion involved with it, and hopefully it gets ironed out in the near future. And veterans can have a better place to go to protect their claims, you know, and get uh, to, to get some relief because... The backlog is way too way too long in the on the regular appeal situation. So hopefully, it's any you know this is better than nothing. You know, it sounds like a band aid to me, but at least hope it doesn't antibiotic and keep getting uh, bed sores. <laughs> well, and the hope with this ramp program is it's going to alleviate some of the backlog on BVA because yeah. there's a lot of claims that have been sitting at BVA that haven't been docketed yet or have been remanded that qualifies for ramp and, and you're getting a lot of veterans that are opting into ramp and therefore that takes it off the BVA's uh, table. So that what that's doing is it's pushing up a lot of other claims to the BVA that mm-hmm. normally would be waiting a lot longer. Um, right. Gerald, can I, I share my, uh, my right. contact information? Is that appropriate? Oh, yeah. Yes. Go you right go ahead. ahead, man. All right. Well, I know Victor's listening, so uh, now that's a six-five-one area code up here in Cold, Minnesota, home of the Vikings, Super Bowl champs, soon to be. Um, area code six five one three zero three three zero six two. That's six five one three zero three three zero six two. Now, if you want to email me, it's benefitsagent at comcast dot net. Again, that's benefits, plural, agent, at comcast.net, B-N-E-F-I-T-S-A-G-E-N-T, at comcast.net. There you go. Well, I think we about said it all today. Uh... John, we appreciate you coming on, and we're looking forward to getting you back on again. Well, thanks for having me on, and, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, 
I made sense with this whole ramp thing. I probably created more questions than, than answers, but at the very least, when, when in doubt, hire an attorney or a claims agent because they're the ones that are going to probably know the best about ramp and, and, and be able to steer you in the, in the right direction, in my opinion. Yes, that's for sure. You need some good help. Be sure they're qualified when you talk to them. But anyway, guys, thanks for having me on, and uh, I'll, I'll be talking to you soon. Okay. Thanks, thanks John. Okay. Take care. Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that'll be our show for today, and uh, we'd like to thank Added for sponsoring us. And we'll be back next week with a new show and a new guest. And... Uh, uh, by golly, I appreciate everyone uh, tuning in and listening and, and hope you got some questions asked. Uh, if, if you didn't get a chance to ask them and you'd like to ask them on hand it there, just uh, uh, notify uh, Jay Basser and uh, he'll take your questions and we'll answer them next show. Um, so with that, this will be Gerald Cook with Jay Basser. We're signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Basser Show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.